Mother says we have a problem getting women to come in. You know how it is nowadays. Yeah. Would you like to know my secret? If you promise not to tell. If you'd like to tell me. I know where there's a huge hole in the ground. A big hole in the ground? It's in the woods, about a mile away. And at the bottom of the hole, down in the dark, there are some things. What kinds of things? Well, they're not people, that's for sure. They got yellow eyes, little tiny ones, and they're all hunched up. I read about them in a book, or something like them. I think they're trolls or trollogs. Do they talk to you, Jamie? It isn't funny, you know. I know, I'm sorry. What I meant was, can you hear them as well as see them? Well, I can hear them sometimes. They're always down there. I think one of them died. No one else in the whole world knows about them but you. Except you. You know about them now. Welcome to the first 2020 episode of A Part of Our Scaritage. Long delayed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, it's only March, but it feels like it's been forever. It really does. Yes. Our, yeah. our version of March Madness was not recording an episode for two months. <laughs> <laughs> it just felt so long because I've missed you so much, Aww. dear podcast. I mean, Adam. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. It was almost nice. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm one of your hosts, Sarah Chamberlain. Uh, and I'm uh, the other uh, host, Adam Clark. Yes, boo, and 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 re-welcome. Um, this may come as a surprise to all listeners who uh, last heard us talking about bells. Um, <laughs> what a way to leave them leave them hanging. Yeah, it's like oh, we decided in 2019 on a high note, uh, talking about a movie that nobody remembers uh, really about a that. killer phone that didn't really fully make use of its premise. <laughs> as, as I said before, at no point, even though. It's a movie about a killer phone. About sorry, about a killer using phones to kill people. And no point does anyone threateningly say it's for you. Like you know, <laughs> you're on hold forever. <laughs> it never took advantage. <laughs> I mean, it did have some good taglines. I think. Oh no, it had the worst taglines ever. It was like five seconds. Your head starts to blow up or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it was, was just scanners' like tagline, but made about phones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So yes, I, I guess uh, in in the lore of uh, of this podcast, our Pontypool episode has been lost to time because <laughs> um, we're going we're going to do that to to start off January, but it's not January anymore, and instead we're going to do uh, something uh, a little less prestigious, oh, uh, and in fact, but also starting with a P, we're looking at uh, the movie The Pit. <laughs> we did secretly record the Pontypool stuff. It's just like archived and then yeah. we'll uh you know, it'll come out as some big scandalous thing eventually one day. Yeah, it was too good to release. So um <laughs> I would rather I would rather just just wait it out. Wait it out. Wait wait until the podcast can consistently catch up to that level. Yeah, we're saving uh, it for like year three. 
Yes, uh, it's it's definitely definitely not that uh, I wasn't able to record for a bunch of time <laughs> and, and simply didn't watch it uh, again. Um. We'll start things off with a, a CanCon checklist for The Pit, a movie that, rest assured, is Canadian, despite being shot in Wisconsin. <laughs> for unknown reasons. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. I think I think it, it was just a financial thing, even though it's like, I cannot fathom why shooting in Wisconsin would somehow be cheaper than shooting in, I don't know, Oshawa? Yeah, but, exactly. But that's how it worked out. Among our many, many, many Canadian names here, uh, we have uh, the actress playing Sandy is a Montreal's Jenny Elias, or Elias, uh, who is uh, perhaps best known for people of a certain age uh, for being the voice of Princess Toadstool in the Super Mario Brothers Super Show, <laughs> <laughs> which had, uh, I think, a largely Canadian cast. And uh, But she's done a lot of things. She does a lot of voiceover work uh, to the point where I, I was actually surprised pleasantly that she was the voice of Beth Oblong on the uh, cultishly remembered The Oblongs. <laughs> She's made appearances in shows like King of Kensington and Street Legal and Night Heat, all Canadian. Uh, uh, but more importantly, starred in a movie called Power Play with uh, Don Pleasant's honorary Canadian. She's also joined by Ottawa's Sonia Smits, uh, who has uh, been in David Cron Berg's Videodrome was one of the stars of Street Legal and has appeared in some tech war stuff that was filmed in Canada. <laughs> uh, Sammy Snyders, who plays our Lee Jamie, <laughs> is no longer an actor, despite having uh, a career as a child actor. He played Huckleberry Finn. Uh, he was in a Canadian shot movie called Tomorrow Never Comes with Pontypool Stephen McCaddy and honorary Canadian Donald Pleasance. <laughs> uh, he is now a dance instructor and, I believe, a TV director. Uh, what was interesting is that in looking him up, uh, on his official website, he still gets comments on his like little guest book about the pit. What? <laughs> yes, I'd like to read a couple for you. Oh my god. Hi, Sammy. Just an old Beaver Dam, Wisconsin contact from your The Pit filming days. As a local extra, I even got to attend your premiere in Wapun, in Wapun, Wisconsin. I nearly said Wishigan, which I guess would be the Wario equivalent of Michigan. But I, I know we're going to say Wichita. No, that would make more sense. No, I was just thinking, it's like, I guess that's the evil Michigan. But how can you make Michigan worse than it is? Um, he adds, just wanted you to know that many folks in Wisconsin still talk about your movie making days back then and are brushed with greatness. Signed, John Bauer. Brush with greatness. Yeah, he, he and Teddy lit up the Excuse screen. Excuse me. <laughs> Next, uh, there is someone uh, who writes under the name Aladdin Ain. I force everyone I know to watch The Pit. It's the ultimate fantasy of every socially inept 12-year-old boy. <laughs> what? <laughs> to be honest, I was crushed to discover that you've moved beyond the uh, trollologues and into dance. I'm going to conveniently forget about this website and continue to believe that you obey the commands of your possessed teddy bear. You are Jamie, and don't let anyone tell you differently. <laughs> this is a troll. <laughs> I think it's a trollologue. Um, this is a trollologue. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, uh, Sam, Sammy Snyder is is still around and seems to be doing uh, perfectly fine. And uh, uh, you know, show him some love, but like, don't harass him about the pit, please. 
<laughs> I'd like to know his opinion on it, but I'm, I mean, maybe I wouldn't. <laughs> no, I would kill to find out because I'm sure, I'm sure he has plenty of thoughts about this incredibly bizarre movie that we watched. Since that takes care of our CanCon checklist, let's get into it. Sarah, what happens in The Pit? Oh, God, what happens in The Pit? (laughs) Uh, A lot happens in The Pit, (laughs) a.k.a. Teddy. But see, so much happens in The Pit that it's like, what happened first? When did this happen? Well, we start with a flash. Well, no, not a flashback, a flash forward. Oh, yes, we do start with a flash forward of Jamie's first kill. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Which is... So completely like, well, yeah, okay, I guess it does. It's not that jarring, but it's like it it's jarring because it is possibly the absolute worst acted scene in the entire movie. And they chose that to like use as a prologue. Uh, well there is a, a, an inexperienced actor in a pirate costume uh, oh, who is approached by a ghost <laughs> really getting my hopes up for the movie a blanket ghost by the way like a sheet ghost yes <laughs> oh my god like the dialogue is so horrendous <laughs> what you weren't like thrilled by lines like hey are you fred phelps <laughs> And um, this this little ghost character comes up to um, the pirate and his ballerina girlfriend and tells them, like, hey, I found something in the woods. It's like a sack or something. And uh, you can tell that these characters don't like this kid um, because as soon as he comes up to talk to them, there's a first person shot of him getting punched in the face. Yes. Uh, our socially awkward hero, uh, <laughs> Jamie, approaches uh, this kid pre-Halloween times, unless this is just a random costume party. Uh, it was Halloween day because they're all outside in costumes. Exactly. Yeah. But he approaches them uh, earlier in the day for this flash forward that we will see later. Uh, where he's like, uh, hey, can I join your club? And uh, this kid, Fred, this older kid, just immediately punches him in the nose. And uh, his toady of a girlfriend laughs at poor Jamie. It's a very obnoxious, classic toady laugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, that's a bit of a recurring theme with this movie when it comes to little girls who are in it. Um, true. You have to do a compilation of laughs. <laughs> <laughs> and ja- Jamie uh, approaches them. He's like, listen, I have a real big secret. Because Jamie basically talks like Pee Wee Herman. Like, talks exactly <laughs> like Pee Wee Herman, minus the laugh. He's like, listen, in the woods, there's like, some treasure. And you could totally, like, come. But uh, you got to let me in your cool club. <laughs> Which is like, okay, um, I guess. Like, there's six people in this entire town. And, like, one of whom is the librarian uh, that Jamie routinely sexually harasses. Oh God! I can't we'll get even. to that. Uh, <laughs> and um, okay, I'm not gonna lie. For the first like second of this movie, I was like, "Oh, what do we have here?" Because it was like this moody fall Halloween feel. You see all these kids going around this small little town, and they've all got their costumes on. It's immediately destroyed by what we've just described. But for a full second, I thought this movie was going to be quality. Well, Sarah, (laughs) with its Halloween atmosphere, its small town setting, and uh, its socially awkward lead who, in fact, possesses special powers and can communicate with an animal creature that only he can see and talk to. Is this not the Canadian equivalent of Donnie Darko? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
So Donnie Darko stole from this movie is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. It turns out that the the guy who made that had no good ideas because Donnie Darko was his one good idea. (laughs) But we are getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, Fred and his girlfriend are lured into the woods. Uh, the get used to seeing those by the way you're going to get in these woods a lot (laughs) and not just the woods but like this exact route this exact clearing (laughs) (laughs) he he basically uh promises and delivers uh, uh a bag of treasure but the bag of treasure isn't like money it's not like something that you would expect it's jewels as though the movie is freddy got fingered and you have all those scenes of tom green going i bought you jewels here are some jewels i spent the money on jewels uh that happens in this movie (laughs) (laughs) was it jewels i genuinely couldn't tell i guess it was just the quality of what i was watching i was like he's just pulling strings of something out of a bag (laughs) 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 and like where did that bag even come from like where well, Jamie, as we know, is not is, is not a good kid. What some would call a problem child, or perhaps a problem child too. Um, <laughs> and so he's been known to steal, or as we will come to know, he steals. Oh, yes, that's true. They do reveal that, but like it's never acknowledged that he stole these jewels or whatever. It's just like you just got to kind of put two and two together at the end. Although you, you also have to ask, it's like, how often are there consequences for like anything that Jamie does in this movie? Uh, approximately zero. Yeah. <laughs> like he does some fairly <laughs> criminal things even before he starts murdering people. Yeah. And then um, this boy, uh, this bully kid pulls out and, and I mean, I don't support bullying Adam. But if anyone in this world deserved to be bullied, (laughs) it's Jamie. (laughs) Just saying, just looking at it from both sides. (laughs) Uh Yeah, it's 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 the rare case in which like the uh, it's much like the terrible movie Return to Sleepaway Camp in which there is a kid who is bullied and you're. I think supposed to feel sorry for him, but he's such a massive douche that <laughs> you kind of wish they went like harder on him. Like if the entire uh, summer camp of sleepaway camp or return to sleepaway camp, I should say, had conspired uh, to murder the annoying lead of return to sleepaway camp, they would all be justified. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's kind of like that with little Jamie. <laughs> Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Um, but no spoilers, I guess. <laughs> um, so he, this this bully um, is looking through the bag and all of a sudden out of nowhere, Jamie is behind him and comes sneaking up out of the woods as the little ghost Jamie. And he pushes this bully into uh, a large gaping hole in the ground that's that's behind him, a.k.a. the pit. the best part about this like little moment which we'll see again but not quite the same way when we cat when the movie catches up to this moment uh is (laughs) is basically the 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 movie the movie like cues up its score and there's big uh, uh, scary music going on. Oh, this 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 kid, Fred, uh, Fred Phelps, which is weird because isn't that the name of uh, the like minister who was in charge of the very anti-gay Westboro Baptist Church? I oh. hope he also died the same way, <laughs> getting ripped apart by troglodytes in a pit in Wisconsin. Um, but oh, he gets pushed in, the music cues up, and then the music abruptly stops, and we cut to the title card, uh, the pit superimposed, on an image of a teddy bear with glowing eyes. 
it's at this moment that you know the movie has gone from good to great. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe this is just uh, storytelling skills beyond my abilities. And in that, like, you would think, okay, we'll see soon what the connection is between uh, this pit and the teddy bear with glowing eyes. Uh, uh, oh, but, you young naive Adam. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, but you know what? Maybe uh, again, maybe they're uh, they're just trying to like foreshadow. Maybe they're trying to like tease us and get us intrigued. Uh, <laughs> because we next cut to Jamie at a library. Uh, Jamie's mother returns a book from the library, an, an art book, and oh, yes. uh, she returns more than the book. And this was like again, th- it's stuff like this that is way more disturbing than what's in the rest of the movie. Because before she returns, don't we see Jamie in? school he's getting in trouble for something oh probably i don't recall i because the the teacher who's played by sonia smiths is like barely in the movie and she has like two scenes and when she shows up again to talk to sandy the babysitter who's going to be introduced later in the movie i forgot who she was (laughs) i know yeah because her role is i think it's just in this little snippet of a scene yeah she's so insignificant yeah, she has, she has, I think, only, like, I think the teacher only has two scenes. But yeah, Jamie is, Jamie is in school. He is a school kid. He is supposed to be about 12 years old. He's, he's getting scolded for, for being Jamie. Uh, so he's rightfully, deservedly uh, uh, getting in trouble. But uh, he should really be in huge trouble with, like, his parents and, and the librarian. Um, because when his mom returns the book, this, this art book, uh, uh, full of uh, some artsy nudes. Yeah, it's um, called like um, like tasteful nudity in art or something. And then it's like... <laughs> I really hope that it is. That's no, the most I Canadian title. Tasteful like nudity that. in art. Nudity I to swear. enjoy a crumpet and tea over. Yeah, <laughs> because it's like all these images that aren't like, I, as far as I could tell, not full nude. It's like ladies like just very strategically covering up their bosoms and like wearing like scantily clad outfits and stuff. Uh huh. <laughs> She's like. She's returning the book because she finds it and she's like, oh, Jamie, like you shouldn't have this. It was the teacher who found it. I don't think it's his mother. Oh, I thought the mother. Oh, you know what? I might be getting confused. But some some I, I know, lady authority are, figure returns it. Us. <laughs> yes. Listen, the some, pit is like a fever dream, as you will soon learn. <laughs> um, if you were to watch the pit, you would totally understand our confusion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but she returns it to the librarian and is like, oh, um, something, something about this kid in trouble. And then like here... I he I need to return this book. Like I found this this one of our one of my students had this book. That's what mm-hmm. I recall. Oh right, right, right. Oh yes. And now I remember. She she's making him write lines on the board. He's the original Bart Simpson. Yeah, because he did something and I can't remember if they exactly yeah, like he's literally writing lines on the board and he's like, Why do I have to do this? And she's like, the teacher's kind of looking through the book and she's like, Jamie, you know, you shouldn't have books like this. So then she but she's kind of giving him a pass because he's a you know a, a a young boy coming into his adulthood. So she, she brings it back to the librarian and she's like, um, you know, one of my students had this, uh, this book hidden away. And the librarian looks very shifty when she takes it. She kind of takes it like, and I think she's supposed to seem like a stuck up librarian, but you will come to realize that she is the victim. In all of she's very much the victim. <laughs> yeah. And I've even read reviews where people are like, like just refer to her as like a stuck up librarian. And I'm like, not really. Well, I mean, like in the sense, I mean, I can't help it because you, you work in a library, Sarah. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little defensive to be honest. <laughs> has, uh, but surely no one has returned uh, a, an art book uh, uh, that had, a, had, as it turns out, a picture of you inside. <laughs> 
yes. as Miss Livingstone or Miss Livingston uh, discovers. Um, well, yeah, because what she discovers is that like she takes the book and she's like, okay, I'll return this. She goes into the back. And at first I was like, oh, she's kind of like, maybe this is her favorite book. Maybe she's going to get creepy with it or something. Mm. But no. Oh, it's a real pin situation. She just starts <laughs> fucking the book. Oh and Jamie God. starts talking to that book for advice. <laughs> <laughs> I thought she was going to be like, no, this is my personal belonging or something. But she takes it into the back. She skips through the pages and she realizes that one of the naked ladies in the book has had her body cut out. And she opens a piece, a letter, a folded up letter that she obviously had received in in school or something. They never give us this backstory. I, I thought that I thought that perhaps the, the teacher gave that along with the book to be like, hey, you deal with this. Oh, no, no, no. I'm almost 100% certain the, the librarian pulls that out of her pocket because she immediately flips to that page with the cutout body and then she opens her letter yes. and it's that cutout body with her head on top, like and, some creep, creepy ransom note. And yes. then she's like, she's looking between the two like, oh, now I know who did this. Like it was one of the students because I think she received that letter like it was like a ransom note. Because <laughs> as it's happening, Jamie is outside of the window of the library. <laughs> Very excitedly watching her. Um, because when the teacher asks him, like, you know, you can't have these books, he's like, I was just curious. And then mm-hmm. it turns out, like, no, he wasn't just curious. He's a he's a monster. Yes. Because he's watching her very excitedly to see what her reaction to this, like, naked photo, weird collage of her, what kind yeah. of reaction it gets out of her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she, he has a psychosexual obsession with the town librarian. Um, and I mean, like, uh, to a certain degree, I get it. As someone uh, who uh, whose roster of people that he's dated would look like a series of women who were auditioning for the role of sexy librarian. Um, I, I understand. I understand the appeal. Uh, but this isn't how you do it. And she is like, she's like a 10. I mean, they try to they try to librarian nerd her up with like some glasses or whatever, but it's like she's that only makes her hotter. The glasses is what does it, Sarah. That's the secret. (laughs) (laughs) And later when you see her doing her like aerobics or whatever, I didn't even realize it was the same person. (laughs) She's obsessed. She's like there's uh, her one person or two personality traits are that she is a fussy librarian and she loves jazzercise (laughs) to the point that she makes her knees do it all the time with her but again we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves this scene is insane and it's so much creepier than like the real horror stuff that's going yeah. on with monsters and teddy bears because that was so unsettling to be like i sent i made this for you and it's like her head on a nude body and then underneath it for some reason he had like in a sticker like all typed out miss livingston <laughs> This is only step one of weird shit that happens. To the librarian specifically. Yeah, very much so. (laughs) And you're right where it's like, I I had no idea going into this. I know he had told me it's a weird, it's a creepy teddy bear movie. Yep. I didn't know what that meant or what that could lead to. At this point, I was just like, oh, Jamie's like, like we're we're building up to this kid. It's kind of a pin, very pin-esque this movie could have been. (laughs) This could have been called Pinhead. Yeah, exactly. But- it's like this is just the first step of chaos that happens that it, and, and really doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I said, Jamie suffers no consequences for this. Uh, but he's like, and he has such a, a bizarre reaction to the whole thing because he's watching 
as though Miss Livingston is going to be like real impressed or even turned on maybe by getting this, but she's disgusted and she tears it up and he's bummed out. He's like, (laughs) he's like, why would she do that? I made that for her. And it's, it's the creepiest thing in the whole movie is that it's like, Oh, like he is a psychopath. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't, I don't even think that the, the movie really understands what it's doing, but like that is like, it really makes you get a sense of like, oh, I know who this like little horrible creep is. Yeah. Uh, 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 and you get a sense of like his psychology and, and all of that. But it's like, uh, if that's what they were going for, the movie. Uh, <laughs> oh boy, does it forget? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it has. It has bigger fish to fry. Um, <laughs> I've never in my life. This movie is someone going. I have several ideas but I don't know if I'll ever get funded for more than one movie. So they're all going in here. <laughs> yes, because to to, to um, pitch it a little bit earlier uh, uh, than, than after recapping the movie, I think there's the making of a good movie here, but you'd have to eliminate what the movie's focusing on. Because like, I mean, yes, the the the, the pit is very entertaining uh, uh, because it has monsters and an evil teddy bear and lots of lots of goofy stuff. But... If this was just a movie that was called Creep, not to be confused with the million other movies that are called Creep uh, or Creep Two songs, <laughs> yes. Um, but if this was just about like a creepy kid who like was in that like weird position where he's like, well, he's just a kid and he doesn't understand, but he's also clearly like his his actions are like criminal like he stalks he harasses and like it's just going to escalate and it's like what do you do when someone is being this monstrous but they're only 12 um and 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 for various reasons don't seem to really understand what's wrong with what they're doing like there's a potentially like really good movie here and it's like no we've we've got teddy bears and monsters to deal with (laughs) and that's okay so like i don't know if i should just say that now or like save it for the end it probably helps to give some context where this movie was originally you know in control of a different director it was originally written to be um that the trollologues and the teddy bear and everything were just figments of Jamie's imagination and that he is a troubled child who's using these outlets to like, you know, the movie's using these outlets at least to show his issues and exactly what you're saying. And he just has all of these weird things about him that we're kind of experiencing slowly unfold to see how unstable he is. Yeah. And then someone else took over and they were like, but (laughs) what if... (laughs) All of these things were actually real (laughs) and I could have a lot of fun making these costumes and and weird experiences and we'll get into it, but it's, it's absolutely ridiculous what, what starts to happen. But also like you're mentioning like, you know, Jamie being this troubled child. Mm -hmm. I read a few different sources that said the original goal of this movie was to explore like the idea of like a child with autism being isolated and like how they react to the world, which is so wrong and dark. Yeah. It's like, it's, what a horrible concept. It's like, so the original intention in, in my opinion was not any purer. <laughs> no, here, here, well, here's the crazy thing, I guess, uh, uh, to talk about that is reading up about it. So Ian Stewart, the guy who wrote the script, um, basically got to write his version because he published a novel based on the movie called Teddy that oh. more accurately reflected what he wanted. Interesting. 
and and that's from the perspective of a really young boy of about eight or nine uh and how he goes further and further into his fantasy world and that that basically that the ending of everything is more or less just that it's all a dream but sarah I propose to you that if we have two choices, say you get a competently made movie about like a little kid who doesn't really know what he's doing and is is dealing with certain mental difficulties. Okay. But then like going through all of that and then just being like, well, it was all a dream and maybe he'll get better or maybe he won't. I don't know. Uh, I would much rather have a crazy movie about a psychosexual 12 year old who feeds the townspeople to cavemen in a pit while also obeying his far hornier teddy bear. I much rather have the schlocky movie than the maybe had a chance. Yeah, like, no, I don't want that. After after kind of like sneaking around the the library, um, we're brought into our our next uh, female fixation in Jamie's life, which is that uh, a babysitter named Sandy O'Reilly, someone who's going to be taking care of him while his parents are uh gone to seattle for an undisclosed amount of time (laughs) exactly for an undisclosed amount of time and seemingly no reason i think they just want to get away from their weird son oh yeah there's evidence (laughs) of the movie to support that (laughs) because they do this a lot apparently like you know sandy is not the first babysitter no uh in in fact uh yes there'll be there'll be dialogue later in the movie where uh he laments that like there are babysitters but uh lady babysitters don't stick around for very long around jamie which is why in like I thought for the longest time that his parents were in on this in some weird way, because <laughs> why do they keep hiring young, gorgeous female babysitters when all he does is terrify them and make them run away? Like, just hire some old dude and you're done. You saved everything. Yes, because when they're all having dinner together before his parents leave, Jamie, like, ducks under oh, under the table God. and pu- pulls a Judd Nelson in Breakfast Club, <laughs> where oh. he just sort of spies on, uh, spies on Sandy uh, with, her, uh, with her legs akimbo. Uh, and um, and his dad's like Jamie, none of that now. Yeah, he's like not again. <laughs> <laughs> like they're super used to this. It's like stop doing what you're doing. Then clearly you're setting him up. You're setting things up wrong for this child <laughs> yeah at the same time when they're talking about jamie uh, and they'll be like jamie you know he's a difficult kid he's socially inept and um talks to uh, imaginary friends he loves animals and uh one time and there's especially disgusted with this they're like one time uh he was swinging around wearing nothing but a superman cape there's a part of me that's like <laughs> jamie's pretty cool actually <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> Sounds like a pretty alright kid, you know? Just like, wouldn't you want to do that? Of course. I have never in my life hated a fictional character more than this child. <laughs> uh, but what gets me is exactly that scene exactly where being a young child and swinging around on your treehouse wearing nothing but a Superman cape is possibly the most normal thing Jamie has ever done. Yep. <laughs> Everything else he does is weirder, and they don't even point that out. They're just like, oh, I can't believe one time he thought he was a superhero. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a strange thing because it's like, you know, um, and I have to ask, given the choice, Sarah, you and I have both seen this movie and The Boy. If you had the choice between babysitting a possibly possessed doll or a serial killer living in the walls of an old house, uh, pretending to be a doll, or 
getting getting a sense up front that's like oh well there's this kid uh we've had babysitters before but uh, our kid has this habit of psychosexual obsessions with all of our uh, all of our hot young babysitters what would you prefer what situation a would you rather thousand be thousand times over i would take the creepy guy living in the walls <laughs> legit serial killer is better than <laughs> this is why i am because if I find out he's there, I'll get him arrested, or I'll kill him. <laughs> Two really good options. <laughs> and again, there's like a potentially really good movie there in which like a babysitter is pushed too far and she has to kill an evil child. And that's the thing is like I have no tolerance for weird, evil, creepy children. And this kid, like within a day, I would have beat the shit out of this kid already. <laughs> <laughs> and not apologize. <laughs> He's the worst kid in the world. And I hate that children have the immunity of, oh, you know, being children. <laughs> so so basically what you're saying is that after one day with Jamie, if you were in the babysitter's shoes, if you were Sandy, that we would get like the very first scenes, the very first night uh, at the house. And then we would immediately cut to that scene from Pet Cemetery in which the kid gets run over by a truck. <laughs> Movie over. <laughs> yep. Would just be you in there burr, burr, driving out of town. Exactly. <laughs> and it's like even a much smaller kid, like maybe if he was like seven or eight, I can see her reactions being a little more legit. But at 12 years old, right on the verge of teenagerhood, she gives him way too much slack. Way too much slack. Like he is, like, yeah. he's on the point now where he can make or break like being a complete creep. And like when, again, if you're like seven and mm-hmm. you like peep at someone's boob, it's different than when you're 12 and you're literally watching them sleep in bed with their boob hanging out, just kind of like heavily breathing over top of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. It's not cute anymore. <laughs> no. <laughs> and admittedly, it's like that was part of the writer's intention is that, yeah, he would be like eight or nine. So it would be a little more innocent. But yes. I was like, at the same time, it's like those scenes would have no power if that was the case. Jamie is legitimately frightening. In that, like, in her first night there, uh, Sandy is asleep. She wakes up to see Jamie's just (laughs) sitting there motionless as though he is Data from Star Trek The Next Generation thinking about building another robot daughter. And he is just staring at the fact that one of her breasts has popped open from her nightie. And it's an incredible scene because, like, the scene literally starts with just a zoom in on the nipple. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's almost a magic eye moment because it's so up close you don't know what you're seeing. You're like, is this a mountain? What am I looking? <laughs> it's at? like, oh, is is, 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 is this mold? I don't know what this is. <laughs> um, and uh, and she covers herself, but he just immediately plays it off as normal, where he's just like, no, I just like watching you. It's like, oh, instant save, good save, Jamie, you did it. Yeah, he's literally just like, I just like watching you in your sleep. That's all. <laughs> Like, where's my mace? And then just like leaves fully erect, I assume. <laughs> and, oh god. And they but they go about their day as normal. And the best part is that in the midst of all of this, we get one of the best scenes of the entire movie, which is a flashback uh to Jamie uh getting mistreated by a fellow kid one of the four people who lives in the town it's the niece of the librarian it's abigail and jamie just looks at her bike and he's actually being a pretty normal kid here where he's just like there's an unintended bike and he's just looking at it and uh, abigail comes up to him freaks out and says (laughs) and i quote how dare you touch my bike why don't you go back to where you came from funny person (laughs) funny person (laughs) 
<laughs> and it's like, wow. <laughs> Her continual use of the insult, funny person, is like the best part. <laughs> oh, she's she's got some real bon mots uh, in terms of her quips about Jamie. Uh, oh, my Lord. Uh, oh. And and yeah, the, the bike will be something that he'll be like kind of fixated on, but that doesn't go anywhere. Well, I guess it kind of does. Uh, it's a long story. After that terrible scene where, where Sandy's been like peeped on for God knows how long, we're also getting a sense of like the relationship between Teddy, uh, his teddy bear, and and Jamie, where Jamie confides in Teddy and Teddy kind of like eggs him on to do more things. In Jamie's voice. Oh, yeah. So it's very much like the teddy bear is just, you know, his own dark thoughts and he's projecting them through the teddy bear. Although it, it, right? it, is, it is Jamie's voice with reverb, so maybe it isn't. Maybe, in fact, it's a separate <laughs> entity. Uh, because I'm sure the script, uh, at least according to the, to the writer, the script made that pretty clear, but the movie does not. <laughs> Uh, well it does and that was my whole point is that it it seems like that's what you could definitely go with is to me that it's just like his way as a child of coping with with his dark thoughts and it's like that definitely seems like the logical point of view to go with mm-hmm. but <laughs> uh later in the movie i don't know if you want me to say it now or not sure sure later in the movie there's a scene where the teddy bear uh just moves on its own so it's 100 percent possessed this is the best scene in well no there's so many good scenes this is the greatest movie we've ever watched because that's <laughs> I, I left this movie being like that was the worst movie i've ever seen and now you're making me enjoy it way more than because it's unpredictable and entertaining and what more can you ask for the last thing you want to do is like movies it doesn't matter if they're good or bad you just want to be uh uh, surprised and this movie is full of surprises like when sandy goes and finds more artsy nude magazines and again i i'm sort of like weirdly surprised that like jamie has such fanciful tastes for his nudes as opposed to merely like finding a hustler in the woods uh exactly but like sandy finds those and it's like oh, Jamie, you shouldn't have these, but then like sticks them back under his bed, walks out of the room and the music cues up and the teddy bear turns to the camera. (laughs) (laughs) And as they zoomed in on the teddy bear sitting on the bed, I was verbally going, no, no. (laughs) And then it's little crooked head just starts going, check, 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 towards the camera. And I'm like, no, you just ruined everything. Why? How are you going to explain this? And then they never do. Yeah, the the effect <laughs> is so stiff uh, that and 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 kind of like uncoordinated that you're kind of left thinking is like, was it supposed to look like that? Like, did they, did they have another take? Because it, it it moves like <laughs> stiffly and awkwardly enough that it's almost as if it's like, oh, is this like. Uh, a mechanical thing is this like a teddy ruxpin where it's like oh its head moves around um it's like one of those dancing santas um but yeah it's clearly supposed to signify to us that teddy is sinister and if the movie only took place in jamie's mind that scene doesn't make any sense because why would exactly jamie dream of sandy going in and finding his magazines and not liking it but putting them back and then leaving only for teddy to like look at a fictional camera (laughs) that doesn't exist in the world of the movie so like the only conclusion you can come up with is that the movie is telling us that teddy is actually possessed yes uh and and, and in fact that he's aware that he's in the movie because he's like time to break the fourth wall (laughs) (laughs) it's teddy's time to show 
uh, Teddy's the best character. <laughs> yeah, t- Teddy just gets to uh, address the audience like he's the main character in a sitcom. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was really expecting the frame oh, to like st- to freeze and for Teddy's voice to pop in and go, "This is me." You're probably wondering how I got in this situation. <laughs> Let me tell you, and we'd like get get another flash forward or flashback. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I really want this. <laughs> Just like a, a weird multi-tiered story where it breaks down each of these super odd characters. Like it goes to Teddy and he has his time and then it goes to the trollologues and then they have their time to explain <laughs> themselves. Oh man. And yeah, that's just it. This movie's so crazy that seemingly the craziest thing, which is that there is a group of uh, uh, unevolved uh proto cavemen there are troglodytes living in a pit in wisconsin we haven't even brought those up we haven't even gotten there yet this is like the first 10 minutes that we've described like we are not far into this movie that's how like nuts it is that's how well paced it is in a sense um because yeah we're in uh uh we're at night like the second night jamie asked sandy to tuck him in and uh she's like no you're a 12 year old boy (laughs) um and she's she's uh, getting ready for bed herself it is late and uh she's wearing something that's a little bit sheer so seemingly egged on by teddy jamie keeps asking her to like just sort of like stick around and stand around for a while while he slash the camera just kind of like zooms in on her visible nipples in the shirt (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's just like a full scene of her talking but all we see on the screen is her nipples yeah. <laughs> uh, tur- again turning around as stiffly as teddy's head did uh, exactly. in that earlier scene and then when she finally leaves teddy ever the instigator uh is like she didn't tuck us in but you know what if you just wait around she'll probably take a shower because that's the thing that people usually do at night uh and uh and and you could just like go in and watch um jamie does and writes in lipstick on the mirror i love you (laughs) and again this is terrifying but the movie's past the point of no return in terms of being silly and crazy so it's also hard to be affected yeah of course but it's like leave the trolla logs out and make Teddy a figment of his imagination, and we've got a good scary movie. Here. Potentially, yes. <laughs> um, or, or at the very least, you know, make a movie about a killer bear. <laughs> yeah, or at least that. I mean, <laughs> but she's again her reaction to this. I mean, she's horrified and she does get mad at Jamie, but again, not the level that you would expect for this kind of invasion and creepiness. Because like, it, it would have been one thing uh, to have had an inappropriate emotional response and be like, I'm in love with you because you're this older lady who's so beautiful and I'm 12 and confused. And it would be an entirely other thing if he had like peeped in on her in the shower. But he re- he, he does both of these things. He's, he's in the shower watching her and he also writes in lipstick on the mirror like a serial killer. I love <laughs> yes, you. Exactly. And then he goes back to his bed like, he, 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 this is going to be so great. He genuinely thinks she's going to react well to this. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and like him and Teddy are just laughing about it. Uh, she freaks out. And he's like, what? What's wrong with what I did? It's just, it's Miss Livingston all over again. Jamie simply yeah. refuses to learn from his mistakes. Uh, he is, he's, it's Teddy's fault. He's definitely, you know, uh, at some point in the pre-internet days, uh, Jamie must have read a book on negging, and he's like, this shit totally works. <laughs> Make someone feel very uncomfortable, and they will love you. 
um, uh, and and this like disturbs Sandy so much, but not like enough to like leave or call his parents or like oh, God, or, or or give him a very strict punishment. Um, Which again is very reminiscent of the original script, where it was like a seven year old, not this creepy teenager who could actually you know probably hurt her. Yes. Um, instead, uh, she calls her boyfriend, and again in a movie in, in another scene where the movie is just unintentionally hilarious she calls her boyfriend who is going to the local college i think and uh he answers the phone uh the movie subtly tells us that he's a football player because he answers the phone holding a football (laughs) (laughs) subtleties you know they're important (laughs) the the actor is at least 45 but like he's also like he's almost trying to sound as much like jamie as possible he's doing that like young person acting so he's all like twitchy and high-pitched but it's like I don't know. It's but he's still younger than her next boyfriend, who is definitely at least fifty. The guy with the mustache. That's true. When Magnum PI enters the movie, yeah. <laughs> exactly. um, but uh, uh, she she like calls him, and like everything about this scene is funny because again, we have to get the sense. It's like okay, he's in a school setting. How do we visualize this? How do we make this visually compelling for the for the audience? The director, no doubt, thought so. He's in a locker room on a payphone, holding a football because the audience must know. Oh, he is a he is a football man, and. <laughs> There is a shirtless, bearded guy who is again too old to be a student. There, you think? <laughs> who who runs up and he's a fairly hefty fella. And he runs up to some guy, and again, you have to ask: It's like, is this the only take they had? Because he whips some guy's butt uh, uh, with his shirt in the background and then other people enter the frame. Other people start walking through the hallway. Other extras. The fat, shirtless guy. The, the bearded guy gets visibly embarrassed, does not put his shirt back on and just quietly exits the frame. <laughs> All this amazing stuff is going on. It's so distracting. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Sandy and Alan try to like talk over, you know, the Jamie problem. We need to talk about Jamie. But again, it's hard to take Alan seriously as an older male authority figure because he looks like he's trying to audition for the little rascals. Um, <laughs> and uh uh, but but like this is actually like a a bit of a plot point because one we'll we'll soon see jamie getting jealous but also like jamie overhears the conversation and the next morning decides to tell sandy about the secret what is what is jamie's secret sarah what is jamie's secret uh jamie has a pit out in the middle of these very accessible woods that apparently nobody knows about that has uh, troglodytes living in it. <laughs> I, I really don't know how to break it to them any easier than this. Yes. And- <laughs> yeah, he knows of a pit in the middle of a forest that has troglodytes living in it. How long has he known this? I don't know how they've been surviving without his external feeding because we witness him discover how to feed them. I don't know. <laughs> well, that leads to one again, one of the funniest lines of the entire movie because Sandy presses Jamie for information about the creatures that he inexplicably refers to as trollologs. Yeah. I guess it's just cuz he can't say troglodyte, but it's like again, he's not 7. Yeah. Like a lot of this is very reminiscent of a different script. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh what's funny is that the original script apparently the mispronunciation was going to be troglodytes, which is far closer 
Yeah. So and a far more acceptable mistake, but it's like Trollolog just yeah. seems to be made up. Um, <laughs> it just seems like he's too lazy to pronounce the word. Yeah, but the the best part is, uh, like, he gives his explanation. He's like, uh, they're they're Trollologs. They're they're ancient creatures. They're like oh, very very old, and I think uh, they 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 live here. And uh, I think one of them died. I read about it in a book <laughs> yeah. or something. But when he just sort of staggers off, staggers off, and just goes, I think one of them died. Like I had to stop the movie. For Pit. <laughs> yeah, that cracked me up too. <laughs> because say what you will about the pit, it has expert comic time. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's that chase that Benny Hill, that whole Benny Hill scene is that expert comic time. <laughs> yes, and we will definitely get to that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know that's all you're waiting for. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and then later we do uh, see the troglodytes a little bit better because he goes to the pit after telling Sandy, and he basically. Uh, wonders what they eat and what he should do but he also spends a lot of the, the conversation bragging about the fact that he's a cool kid who has a cool terrarium with like lizards and frogs in it mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then Sandy takes uh, 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 takes him to watch Alan win the football game which uh, uh, delights Sandy who is wearing for some reason a 1930s sun hat <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, because I guess she she's uh, she is a Canadian actress so perhaps she idolizes Mae West and uh <laughs> And Jamie is very actively like going no every time he gets a goal. He throws his popcorn <laughs> down when they win the game. It's hilarious. <laughs> and like later on when 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 they drive back because like Alan of course has a sweet convertible um, and and Jamie runs in the house but uh, Sandy decides to spend some time some post game victory time in the car uh, with Alan he pops the top up and, and or pops it down I should say and uh, they make out a bit in the car and uh, Jamie is furious and skulks back into the house uh, and Sandy this is again adding to the confusion of the movie Sandy goes to knock on Jamie's door and we hear not his voice but teddy's voice go go away (laughs) so it is a movie about a killer bear basically it's not his imagination but the bear never does anything like i mean i guess it's just jamie's sub like i guess he's like the puppeteer but hardly like i don't think without that bear's influence jamie would be any more normal <laughs> no but the bear the bear's a bad influence though the bear does not help <laughs> jamie's That's gonna start true. smoking any minute because that bear taught him too but if like the bear can move which they've shown us like he's not just like some unfortunate serial killer trapped inside the body of an immovable bear mm-hmm. like you know when charles lee ray gets stuck inside of a uh, inanimate object he does the killings himself he doesn't try to convince some poor sap to do it yeah and, and also you know if if we're not supposed to believe that teddy is uh teddy is is alive uh in some way uh why would his eyes glow when he's not when jamie's not around when he pushes uh fred the pirate <laughs> into the pit yeah. at the beginning of the movie <laughs> like teddy is unquestioningly like he is alive or possessed or whatever they just never go anywhere with it, and they also don't tell us why or how. <laughs> like, is it a, the spirit of a serial killer? Is it a demon? Like, what is it? Yeah, again, it's like, you feel like there's so many choices the movie could have made, and simply with the way it's filmed, like, they just chose all of them. It's like, maybe it is about a killer bear, and maybe it is a Monsters on the Loose movie. It's a town with a deadly secret. But maybe it's also about this kid with a psychosexual obsession. Uh, so yes, I guess cutting to the chase, um, there's a lot of 
there's a lot of talk of, of Jamie uh, from Sandy, who's looking for some kind of guidance on this. She goes to Livingstone uh, with questions about problem children. Um, at, and she goes to her just because she's the librarian, right? Yes. I don't yeah. think she's aware of any history. She goes to ask about problem children, and inexplicably, Miss Livingston does not recommend a problem child on VHS. Then uh, she talks to the teacher from earlier, too. And uh, the teacher, is, who's jogging with Sandy, uh, tells her, it's like, oh, Jamie's brilliant. He's got a knack, knack for, uh, for science. But, you know, he's at that age. And what's weird is that being at that age seems to be like the movie, like saying it's like, yeah, we were all like psychosexual creeps back then, right? <laughs> I know, but it's like, and she tries to get her boyfriend to talk to him. And it's like, I'm pretty sure this guy, I mean, there's talking to a boy about whatever, like, you know, just coming of age. And then there's talking to a boy about like cutting out naked photos and piecing them together to form people who exist in your real life (laughs) and then like mailing it to them. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I don't think this guy has any experience with that. Because Jamie's whole idea of seduction, his whole game plan is send ransom notes. (laughs) <laughs> and a ransom becomes a big part of this movie later on, but oh, not yeah, as big as you'd think um, <laughs> because the movie's insane. Um, I, you know, I, I, I mean, this might sound like hyperbole to listeners if you've never seen The Pit, but like, please watch The Pit. It's nuts. Um, yeah, please. Uh, so uh, during during all of this, uh, uh, Jamie. Okay, so Sandy doesn't want to tuck Jamie in, but when Jamie asks for a bath, she's like cool of course <laughs> well no i think she actually does tuck him in but then she's like he's like my mom always reads a book to me and she's like no i'm not reading a book to you. you're too old for that <laughs> like, learn to okay. read jamie <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um but yeah and then she when she said yes to bathing him i was just like oh my fucking god he's 12 <laughs> yeah and for all the creepy sexual stuff that's in this scene uh it's not i guess it's it's not what you would expect because like she's washing jamie's back and in fact jamie sort of like addresses this situation where it's like don't worry there's going to be suds in the bath and it's like okay (laughs) um but she's like washing him and not only does he like ask her a quote-unquote hypothetical question of like you know what if you were like attracted to this girl but she was like a little older but like you're totally in love um and she she's like (laughs) well she handles it i think like it's probably like the one like sensible move in the movie where she's like yeah jamie this is just like a childhood crush you're not going to remember me in a couple of years and uh you know what like we can always be friends but it's like yeah Yeah. we're like we're we're such ages apart and you're like a a boy who's growing and again this might seem like a big deal now but trust me you're you're gonna forget me in a couple of months it's one of the only logical point like one of the like well thought out points in the entire movie yes because <laughs> all of her other reactions to him are ridiculous <laughs> yeah um, everything about about the movie is divorced from reality to the point where it's like <laughs> again I, I i would love to read that novelization to see how that handles it but we'll see yeah i'm curious now <laughs> we'll see uh but th- there's another extremely weird part uh in which jamie uh talks about how his mother like repeatedly bathes him 
kind of implying that he's being molested by his mom. Yeah, because he's like, what does he say? He's like, mom cleans me even when I'm not dirty. I don't get it. I think he poses as a question. He's like, why does mom always clean me? Yeah, it's it's really strange. But he's like specifically says like I wasn't even dirty, but she always does it multiple times a day, uh, just to touch the boy. And like for me, like I thought it was just showing that she's like one of those like you know kind of. Carrie's mom obsessive people but it's like that's never built on or brought up again and like his parents are so irrelevant to the story yeah (laughs) that it's almost like they're trying to let you know again remnants of a different script that the like he had these external things that made him weird or like um awkward and stuff but it's like the movie, this movie decides that no, it's like that's just another element to the possessed teddy bear in the trollologues he finds in a pit. Yes. And, and it's funny is that, like, you know, if he is lashing out sexually and behaving in weird ways because he is coming from a place where he's in his home, he's facing sexual abuse every day. Exactly. Then you, again, you have this like frightening and dark and complicated movie. Yes. That, that yeah. is totally grounded in reality. Yeah. And here's the funny thing. Uh, in an interview with the screenwriter, he has no idea why that dialogue is there. There was nothing in the original script about his mom being inappropriate with him. That's something oh they added. <laughs> oh, no. So who knows? Oh, no. Again, he's like, I had like six stories I wanted to tell. They're all here <laughs> in, in, in like 10% capacity. <laughs> and so, again, you would think, okay. The movie's going to continue on with uh, with Jamie's fixations on uh, he's moved from Miss Livingston and now he's going to focus on Sandy and that's going to build up. Nope. Jamie goes to the butcher shop <laughs> and gets uh, gets a bunch of meat uh, and he starts feeling uh, starts feeding the trollologues uh, and he does this a couple of times and on the second time he bumps into Miss Livingston and uh, funny person Abigail her niece uh, nearly drops <laughs> all of his meat and. Um, because there's only four people in the entire town and they're all walking like NPCs around like a neighborhood <laughs> uh, uh, overworld map um, saying the same four things. Uh, because-, because like first Jamie does tell Sandy about the trollologues and she's just like oh they're just made up yeah because he's trying to figure out like what can i feed them and she's like i don't know feed them chocolate or something and he tries to feed them that in the first place but they don't like it yes yes <laughs> uh, in fact she again humoring him says it's like oh they probably just eat chocolate bars i don't know yeah and uh, uh but that's not the case uh, he discovers they love meat so jamie keeps getting money to go to the butcher shop and gets to the point where he starts stealing money from sandy which again is a far creepier scene than any of the monster stuff in the movie. Uh, yeah, there's, there's some tension there. <laughs> and uh, oh, oh, he, like I said, he bumps into Livingston and her niece, and uh, oh, the girl playing Abigail, uh, MVP for line delivery because her, the thing. Now I just want to point out that, that her name is actually Abigail, which is Abra-Gale? a name I've never. <laughs> yes, what? Which is a name I've never heard in my life. I swear it's Abigail. Okay, so she's she's the daughter of a <laughs> magician, the town magician. Maybe Ravine comes into the town, and her mother had an affair with Ravine. <laughs> um, I'm gonna control find it right now because I need to make sure it's like A B R E. Abigail. Am I making that up? Is that a real name? Abra- no, it's not. <laughs> Am I making this up? Oh, it's. Abergale, A-B-E-R-G-A-I-L. That's Abergale. That's not, that's, 
It sounds like a southern mispronunciation yeah, it like of a, It sounds like slurred speech. Was her dad a drunk? Like, what the Exactly. Uh, amazingly, Abergale or Abrogale or whatever it is, uh, 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 when she sees him, again, delivers the MVP line of the movie where she goes, Well, if it isn't clumsy, stupid. <laughs> And it's like, I love these scenes. I love these scenes with Jamie and Abigail because it's like a demented episode of the kids of Degrassi Street. (laughs) And like, is this the scene? No, this, I guess we skipped it, but this is the scene where she like lets him ride her bike. No, uh, that's an amazing thing that happens later on because at the house uh, or perhaps earlier on, but, but one of their interactions is that Abigail is like, I'm sorry, I was mean to you about my bike. Please get on the bike that I am very not suspiciously uh, holding and cleaning. And <laughs> Jamie's thrilled, and the bike is instantly, like, it instantly falls apart. She dismantled it just for this great goof that I assume she waited hours upon hours for Jamie to walk by. <laughs> exactly. And, and yeah, the bike, the bike falls apart, and she just laughs at him like it's the funniest thing. Oh, and with that awful fake pitched up obnoxious laugh, uh-huh. I can't even I can't even mimic it. <laughs> uh, but uh, this is literally saying like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound all that different from uh, the uh, uh, very, very loud laugh that is used in the Devo song Peekaboo. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, uh, but I guess at this point we're in. Uh, the the most Abigail, uh, one of the more important Abigail scenes. Uh, it's the scene she's not really in, because later that night, after feeding the trollologs and stealing the money, Miss um, Livingston gets a call from Teddy. <laughs> <laughs> she's told Miss Livingston is told if you ever want to see your niece again, uh, who is kidnapped, she's in my possession. I can see you at the window right now. It's very proto scream. Um, uh, you have to get in, uh, undressed in front of your window, and uh, of course, when when he calls, uh, when Teddy calls, and and Jamie is of course hiding in the bushes with a pol- with a Polaroid camera. She is aerobicizing again. <laughs> <laughs> that's all she seems to do <laughs> but, hey it's working for her <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, i gotta keep that thing tight i suppose um, um and now i just have to point out once again that teddy calling quote unquote it's still jamie's voice like it definitely sounds like the voice of a child instead of just assuming oh i'm being pranked mm-hmm. which is exactly what you would think if a child's voice called you being like you have to get undressed <laughs> <laughs> like no no she just does it just 100% just goes for well that's it. the that's the amazing thing in the movie and it's sort of like if this was a fantasy it would make sense although the movie never presents it as such like the movie the sense of reality from the movie is like more unclear to us than it would be to poor confused Jamie in real in real life if he existed because Miss Livingston gets the call. Uh, it's later shown to be like a voice on a tape recorder, but it's like that still raises the question of like, how did Jamie like add reverb to his own voice and like time this conversation? <laughs> it it would have made more sense if we cut to a teddy bear on the phone <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> with, with his eyes glowing. But Miss Livingston's reaction to this whole situation, uh, she's like, "Oh no, not Abigail! I'll do anything." And uh, Teddy instructs her. It's like, okay, take off all your clothes in front of the window. And she's like, cool. <laughs> she, she, yeah, I know. Just, she doesn't even try to bargain with them. No, doesn't even bargain. But then she's like, you want to see me? Phew, she just rips her clothes off. <laughs> yep. 
pretty funny. Jamie snaps a few Polaroids and Abigail comes in uh, and the jig is up and Jamie runs She's away. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Why are you making in front of the window? Well, that's the funny thing. And I guess it's because Abigail is such a little shit. Um, yep. <laughs> but she's like, what are you doing? Gross. <laughs> How dare you have a body in your house? Exactly. <laughs> um, and then, uh, uh, again, one of those things that's like way creepier than, than most of the stuff in the movie um, is that when Jamie is showing the Polaroids to Teddy, we get Jamie's voice, again, with the, the distortion effects uh, going uh, when he sees the topless photos of Livingston, go, uh, says, I'm going to look at these a lot. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> and it's like but it, it, it taps into something it's like oh yeah that's probably something that like a confused kid would say a kid not totally uh in control or aware of his sexuality and it's just like that but again like the, he seems pretty in control when he sets up this elaborate scheme just to get those photos well he's like he's, he gets an f in sex but like an a plus in pranking he's apparently the best at pranks <laughs> We get to the point where you know, things things come to a head with Sandy and Jamie. She knows that she's been stealing from him, but uh, he won't come clean. And in fact, picks some flowers from a park and goes, I got these for you <laughs> to kind of like smooth <laughs> it over. Uh, because she's chasing him at that point because, yeah, she tries to convince or, yeah, she's trying to like get a confession out of him about the thieving and stuff. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And again, with with no sense of like a- any kind of scale or, or, or consequences or a plot developing normally, we then cut rather goofily to Jamie trying <laughs> to steal a giant uh, like leg of what, what must be a like, cow or something from the butcher's van. And 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 like he's dragging this com- like he's dragging something that's like twice the size of him and while he's g- gathering this like fred flintstone brontosaurus burger cut of meat uh <laughs> he gets caught and is like hey you kid what are you doing there and he runs away and jamie goes to the farm i guess that's nearby and he talks to a cow and he tries to reason with the cow that the cow's just going to be eaten anyway so he should come to this pit and feed his army of troglodytes and uh uh uh, the the cow doesn't move and he's like i'm glad you didn't move i like you cow i wouldn't want to hurt anyone and then we cut to jamie trying to steal some chickens to feed Oh my god! And he fails again. (laughs) Like this is the point where they were like, "Okay, we are just now. It's just a comedy, like an attempt at a comedy." Should I say? (laughs) Well, this is where the movie gets to be its funniest point because when Jamie starts uh, uh, feeding people to the troglodytes in the pit, you would think, "Okay, this is going to require some cunning." And Jamie has shown himself to be something of a of a of a a skilled prankster and uh, a stalker. So it's like, okay, he's going to use all his cunning. No. He tricks Abigail into walking into the pit by in the funniest scene I've ever seen. How she just like takes the step, like she knows she's about to go into the pit. Like that actress could not pull it off, and it's so funny. He doesn't even throw a net over the pit. He simply is no. on the other side of the pit with her bike, and she walks slowly towards the pit and just and it falls takes in. This big step, <laughs> <laughs> and that's going to be a recurring thing in the movie because uh, later on, uh, Alan and Jamie play football. And uh, Jamie tells him to go along, and Alan's like, "Cool, this kid loves football. He's not a creep at all. Uh, I guess I cured him." And Jamie throws the ball, and Alan, going along, just walks right into the pit. 
Then Jamie goes and finds a, a minor character named Miss Oliphant, who uh, he informs us has like ratted him out several times to his mom and teachers and things like that when he's being bad. And so he's like, I'm really sorry. You taught me a valuable lesson. Let me take you on a walk in the town in, in your wheelchair. And immediately starts pushing her and it just pushes her into the pit. <laughs> and it's and again, it's like a perfect comedy montage. Oh, it, but it's so unbelievable. Like, he's literally running over a hill with her, pushing her, and her arms are flailing around. She's going, oh, oh my <laughs> God, oh, no. And there's this wacky, super goofy music playing. And it's like this long shot of him running this old lady towards the pit. Like, unbelievable. <laughs> Horror movies have comedy in them. I guess it it depends. But sometimes it's like it will start light. Okay, most horror movies will start a little lighthearted. A little, you know, and then they'll get darker and darker. And this is the perfect point for this movie when he finally decides after all this crazy stuff that he needs to feed human to these troglodytes. It's a perfect moment for it to get a little bit darker, but it gets to its most silliest and ridiculous point when this happens. Yes, to the point that when he delivers this kind of like post-kill monologue to Miss Oliphant as she's being ripped apart by primitive troglodytes, uh, (laughs) the music goes, Denta, Denta, Bana! Sorry about that, Miss Oliphant. But like my father says, we all have to go sometime. Exactly. <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like one of those. Uh, it sounds like an episode of an old drama where if they ended on a joke, uh, yeah. like if, you know, if, if on the original Star Trek, uh, where Bones and uh, makes fun of Spock and like they all turn to the camera and laugh. It's it's like that, but an old lady has just been murdered. I know, and I'm like, were they just trying to lighten? Like, was this person not a horror fan, and they just wanted to really lighten the mood because they thought this was getting too dark or something? Like, what? was the goal here (laughs) (laughs) that's that's just it i think miscommunication is key in the production of the pit and explaining why the pit is the way that it is (laughs) yeah because i will say with these scenes like they are endlessly funny but i'm laughing at the movie like i am not laughing with the movie i don't know what their goal was (laughs) and that bugs me but i'm definitely it's definitely making me laugh (laughs) but not because (laughs) you know it's hard to explain but (laughs) yeah um and then uh well now jamie uh, basically has swag like we see him rocking out with that wheelchair and like laughing and like pissing himself <laughs> laughing and having a great time he now has abigail's bike and uh, i don't know he has alan's football i guess <laughs> yeah he does because that comes up later <laughs> yep and and sandy uh, uh is uh again perhaps showing that this is in a kid's mind is remarkably unconcerned about alan uh at least at first yeah. uh yeah like it's 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 odd like a friend of sandy's uh a, an old, a much older guy with a mustache drives her home and like asks it's like hey whatever happened to that alan guy and he's just like i don't know i guess he mysteriously disappeared and then she kisses uh she just makes out with that guy yeah she makes out with <laughs> fucking magnum pi there and jamie watches and he's furious um then we cut up to this point in the movie where we get to the flash forward where the uh curiously named fred phelps the pirate is pushed in um <laughs> jamie stalks his girlfriend squeeze in the woods for a little while <laughs> and uh, uh, uh oh my god and she faints <laughs> 
faint, quote unquote. Well, again, her acting is as broad as Abigail delivering insults, so it's great. <laughs> uh, yeah, because there's a scene where he's holding her over the pit, kind of giving this monologue about like, should I do it or whatever, or trying to explain away his feeding human to them. And she's passed out in his arms, and there are at least three points when she opens her eyes and shuts them. <laughs> are we still filming? Oh god, we're still filming. <laughs> and I could not tell if I was like, is this supposed to show that she's just gone catatonic, or is it like she, the actress just doesn't know to keep her eyes closed. Pro- I, I would say probably the latter, but uh, <laughs> Jamie uh, delivers a, a PSA about bullying, <laughs> where he's like, you're pretty on the outside, but not oh, pretty yeah. on the inside. Bullying is wrong. Anyway, and then pushes her into the pit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and steals her tutu first, and then pushes her into the yes, pit. Yes, which I thought was going to play out in a weird psychosexual scene uh, at going with that theme of the movie, but no, that plays out differently. Um, because he's a genius, apparently, and he has all this planned out. Yes, Jamie is uh, Jamie is, as his teacher reported, a bright kid because mm-hmm. when all these people start disappearing and, uh, and whatnot, and eventually things come to a head with Sandy where Sandy decides to go out to the pit with him and, and he can prove to her that troglodytes are real. <laughs> um, <laughs> she falls in the pit. <laughs> Again, a person just openly walks into this giant pit Yep. <laughs> and uh, she is ripped to shreds. Jamie is crushed. His parents either finding out from Jamie or just coincidentally return home from Seattle. The police start asking questions. And Jamie... Yeah, we don't even know why his parents suddenly show back. No, they're just in the next scene. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because, you know what, I will appreciate the the pit has a lot of respect for the audience's patience. And that it's like, let's get to these scenes as quickly as possible. Who needs who needs Quick, exposition? Go, go, go. And, uh, um, but I will, I do just want to point out that, that the scene where Sandy falls in is the very first time in the entire movie we get to see gore. <laughs> yes, this is a surprisingly mm-hmm. bloodless movie. Very bloodless until the last half hour. <laughs> yes. Uh, but it's like you actually see Sandy getting like eaten and you get to see the troglodytes doing what they're doing and you finally get a bit of a hint for their size because I swear to God they change size like 50 times in this Well movie. they're always shot overhead so they look like dwarves. They look super super tiny. I thought they were like little ankle high like the gate monsters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then like they you realize that they're bigger and then at one point later you they they are definitely the size of a full grown man. So, <laughs> yes. Even though they're described as being like short, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um and uh, oh well, this is where Jamie uh, covers his tracks uh, because the mustache guy, whose name I don't even think we get when he's introduced, um, <laughs> is taken in by police. And uh, the police show show what they found in his car. They found the Polaroids of Miss Livingston. They found uh, Christina Fred Phelps' squeeze the Fred Phelps the pirate squeezes tutu. Uh, they find uh, the bike in the wheelchair. Um, and <laughs> and oh my god, that detective! Oh, well, my well the god. best part is that. that old cop i guess he's like the sheriff of the town it's not really clear it's my favorite character <laughs> but he, he, he basically like he, he's not confronting like a serial killer or a psychopath he's just like you're a real weirdo and then <laughs> <laughs> and they introduce him so late into the movie but they try to give him so much personality it works <laughs> and they're like, this he's even telling his deputy like why do you think I became the sheriff of a small town? Because nothing ever happens. And then they show him like riding around in the wheelchair and he crashes it and it's like all goofy and funny. Yeah, the movie briefly turns into a police academy movie. <laughs> yes. And and I guess that that's supposed to be like 
Jamie's imagination of what cops would be like. But if there was any way to have delivered that information to the audience, the movie is like completely failed to do so. Why do you think it's Jamie's interpretation? Uh, because the cops are behaving uh, in a, such a childish way that it's like the I, the only way this that's makes the sense. Movie man, yeah, no. but it's like I'm trying <laughs> to figure out. It's like how did this how did this even like work in the script? Like how did this make it's sense? Because they thought I I swear it's because they just thought it was funny. Like they just thought <laughs> we need a no. Adam, <laughs> you say there's no there's no modus operandi to look forward to in in the script for the pit. They just didn't care. Yes, a thousand percent. <laughs> I mean, I I know you think that like Benny Hill stuff is like genuinely funny, it is. but it's so bad. Like, <laughs> but that's what makes it funny, Sarah. It's funny because no, it's I terrible. agree. I laughed my head off, but. That's the same thing, in my opinion, with the cop. They definitely, definitely were, like, slapping their knees, thinking they were just writing in the funniest character that ever existed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Um, And then, like, yeah, there's, like, a younger cop who's like, I actually think we have, like, a killer on the loose. And you know what? Maybe it's not human. Maybe it's an animal or something. Um, And uh, the the older cop, the sheriff, is just not having it. Then... Eventually, there's too many mauled teens because the the luckily because this is still a horror movie, teens do like to go into the woods and skinny dip. Um, it, well, only ladies like to because there's a scene where a girl asks her boyfriend to come skinny dipping with her, and she's he's like, "Nope, I'm tired," and decides to sleep on the on the sand. Um, Wait, I, I think I zoned out for a second there. Did you explain that Jamie goes back and lets the trolley logs out? Oh, that's right. Uh, because yeah, yeah, the trolley logs. That's crucial. The trolley logs uh, get free but they don't bust of their own accord jamie just apologetically says there's no more evil people in the town that i can justifiably murder have this rope (laughs) exactly because like after sandy dies he feels a little emotional about it and uh the whole it's not just i guess he ran out of evil people he just ran out of town folks. yes because it's like there's six people in the town and he murdered four of them <laughs> uh, the other two are his parents <laughs> and yeah he should at least murder his mom if she's touched him i mean geez i know and that's the thing is like they never bring it back to be like oh he he secretly wants like wishes he had this thing to destroy his parents because he needs some kind of protector like teddy or the trollo logs it's like no his parents are never brought into it at all no no and then so it's like yeah they show up in the movie again just disappear and uh uh, eventually the cops uh uh, accept the fact that troglodytes because jamie had indeed uh put a rope in the pit to allow the the troglodytes to escape and they go on a teen murdering rampage um (laughs) that the the cops i guess because the police force are just those two cops they just get like local beer bellies to form a gun-toting posse (laughs) to murder a bunch of primitive ape men (laughs) and sandy had been obsessed telling jamie like this is a very impressive scientific find. These things are supposed to be extinct. We should put them in a museum. Well, that's and that's that's the like the thing that I love about like Sandy and Jamie arguing about uh, the troglodytes if they are indeed real. Um, is <laughs> is that it's like Jamie because when she sees them, she goes, Jamie, we need to call a paleontologist. <laughs> and what i love is that like i i was actually getting angry at the movie because i'm like okay he's a child just tell him oh okay yep sure we'll do what you want to do go home and call the museum 
Or, or, or alternately, and call the authorities. Alternately, say like, "This is very good, Jamie. Let's go home now. We'll visit the troglodytes yes. tomorrow." Then, when uh, the troglodytes have been taken care of the following morning, and the pit is empty, it's like, "Oh, there was a very nice circus or farm that the troglodytes exactly. had to move away out of town, but they'll be very taken care of for the rest of their lives." Exactly. You're like, "Oh, they just disappeared. Who knows what happened?" It's like she argues with him until she falls in and dies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, a town full of beer bellies murder all the eight people and uh, our troglodytes. And uh, basically, I'm sorry, I'm laughing. Already. That's I'm laughing, just getting excited about talking about the very end. I'm oh like wow, laughing. what a twist! Um, <laughs> yeah, but ahead. the troglodytes are completely disposed of, or so we think. And the cop is asked uh, about what what they should do, and he's like. Just burn these bodies and bury them. And I think they fill in the exact same pit uh, when they take care of the bodies. Um, and uh, the cop instructs them. It's like, don't go telling the papers about this. They'll just have more questions. <laughs> it's like, indeed, <laughs> as an audience member, so do I. <laughs> but we, Jamie doesn't return home to his parents. He's instead going to live with his grandparents now for reasons that aren't explained. <laughs> completely unexplained reasons <laughs> and uh like if they had somehow like got it back some to him somehow that he was the cause of any of these issues then it would make sense mm -hmm. or if but he no, killed his parents or something yeah, yeah like, like any, anything but instead nope he's just going with grandma and grandpa um and uh they introduce him to a kind of distant cousin or step cousin they has named alicia and uh she's like let's play we will be friends forever and jamie's like finally a friend and he actually very importantly sets teddy aside to go play with her but sarah where where does alicia take jamie <laughs> well right back to where they started but by that i mean they're using the exact same set <laughs> she takes him into the forest they're exploring and they come across a pit <laughs> but it's literally the exact same pit they've been using the entire movie yes. <laughs> and uh so i got confused there i was like wait are they that close to home no no i see it's just cheap <laughs> <laughs> it took weeks to build that by the way oh no doubt <laughs> so they go there and he's like she's like look what i found and then he like goes over to look and he looks down and we don't see it but apparently he sees trello logs and he goes they eat meat and she goes i know and pushes him into the pit and the movie freeze frames on a close-up close of, like, Jamie's bowl cut. <laughs> the end. As he falls into the pit. The yes. And the imagery of, like, the close-up of his bowl cut blurry as he's falling into the pit is literally the funniest image I've ever seen. Again, raising the question of, like, what was the intention behind this movie? Oh, we don't know. <laughs> Like, I'm glad he gets his comeuppance. It makes me so happy to know he's going to get eaten by a bunch of cavemen. <laughs> but I don't know. Is she going to go find Teddy now? Where did his parents go? What happened to the boyfriend that got blamed for all those murders? Did, we'll never know. Did Miss Livingston ever realize that Abigail got eaten halfway through the movie? <laughs> Because she's very concerned when she's kidnapped, but when she's actually murdered, eh. <laughs> eh we don't know. <laughs> she just disappears. Um, yeah. Every plot point is left unanswered. <laughs> Teddy, where the trello logs come from, 
why he's with his grandparents, what happens to the guy they're blaming for the murders, <laughs> everything else. It's kind of a mess. Uh, and that is that is the Pitt's calling card. It is just a mess. It's it's just a it's mess. the messiest mess that ever messed. Um, and that's kind of what's great about it. It's it's <laughs> it's a thrill ride. <laughs> um, <laughs> the movie never stops. It always has some weird, unpredictable uh, plot point or tone change that it's going to do. <laughs> and uh, that's just it. As, as we were talking earlier, um, you know, the, the worst sin a movie can commit is being boring. And say what you will about The Pit. The Pit is never boring. The Pit is always exciting and funny and strange. And it just leaves you with something special. And all of these dropped plot points are like part of what makes it not boring. It's because they don't bother. They just introduce something and then they just go on to the next thing and then they go on to the next thing. (laughs) And like, it's definitely one of those movies that has that feeling where you don't get movies like this anymore. No, And I like that because it's like this movie, no matter what happened here, I don't know what happened behind the scenes, but it had pure intentions at some point this was supposed to be an actual movie (laughs) not what we have now yeah nowadays if you get movies like this it's completely intentional they're trying to be quirky or weird or funny or odd or underground but like it's very rare to get a movie like this that was like trying to be genuine yeah you don't get movies quite this inept anymore and uh, i kind of miss that because anytime someone proclaims it's like this is the new like classic bad movie a lot of people will say use troll 2 as like an example, this is the next Troll 2. And then you watch it and it's like, ah, the Bye Bye Man's not the next Troll 2. It's merely boring. Yeah, exactly. Like there's some things here and there, but they've never, I mean, the, the closest thing I can think of is the snowman. <laughs> that was pretty funny. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> I Oh man, I can't even think about it. But it's like, it's very rare you get movies. And I think in the 80s, it happened a lot more often. <laughs> yeah, well, I would say like any anytime uh, when there's like a good independent movement. So like in the 90s and the 80s, and certainly before, where this is how people break into the industry, they're entering the first steps or earliest steps of their careers is they make a cheap horror movie and they don't know what they're doing. And sometimes that results in magic because you have like people who don't know what they're doing and they make something like the original Evil Dead, which shows off just how like creative and clever like these outsiders who've never made a movie can be. Or oh, yeah. you get the pit where it's like, what's happening? What What is this? Why is this? <laughs> what? <laughs> Why is this? That's perfect. Um uh, but I guess there comes a point because like, yeah, while well, at the same time, this is a terrible movie. It's also a movie that I, I don't know about you, but I would wholeheartedly recommend for everybody. Yeah, you know what? A hundred percent. Like, I mean, I would recommend mine with cautions. That's for sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> like, I'd be like, oh, you're having a movie night? Please add this to the list and make sure you're a few drinks in by the time you watch it. <laughs> but it is worth watching. <laughs> Well, that comes to a point, I guess I should ask. Every uh, episode, uh, we tend to highlight a a scaredage moment, a particularly Canadian moment in movies like The Pit. Sarah, this was shot in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. Did you find any CanCon moments of notes in a film like The Pit? Oh, my God. Okay, you know what, Adam? It's been so long that I literally didn't even prepare for this. Oh, okay. (laughs) I forgot that this was a segment (laughs) in our own podcast. (laughs) But all I can say is that this is the most canadian a movie can get despite being filmed in wisconsin like it is so it is the epitome of canuck exploitation. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> like I can't I if off the head of top of my head I can't find something it is that it, this couldn't be anything other than Canadian and that is for sure yes well that's just it it's like every single moment makes it feel like a kids of Degrassi Street Halloween special despite yeah. being filmed in Wisconsin <laughs> all the actors are Canadian or at least most of them are uh it's yeah it's a it's a it's a bizarre bizarre little movie um if I were to pick one it's simply that uh a little girl would say as an insult, you are a funny person. And then right away laughing on her bike. <laughs> funny person. <laughs> she says with so much sass. I love yeah. it. <laughs> a, with a voice that says, yes, I've taken voice lessons at the Canadian theater school. Sure. <laughs> Definitely. Sarah, will you tell uh, the listeners uh, where they might get in touch with us? Oh, boy, put me on the spot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they can reach out to us through Twitter. Uh, what's our Twitter again? At Scare. At Scare. Etage. Yes. <laughs> with no um, punctuation or whatever. And they can find us on the megaphonic.fm website under the Scaretage banner. Um, this will be up there with our all our other episodes. They can email us. Is it scare at megaphonic.fm? You nailed it. Got it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's all of them. Yes, yes. Forgive us if we're a little rusty, but we had a couple of months yeah. off. Um, Gotta get the kinks out. Mm-hmm. And uh, what better way to do so than by just joyfully recounting what happened in the pit? But mm-hmm. uh, that brings us to what we'll watch next time. And Sarah, I don't think we've watched enough goofy 80s movies. I feel like we haven't. <laughs> no. And uh, I, I feel like we should just move slightly up. Uh, in the alphabet we should move from p to s and i suggest that uh for next month we watch scanners too <laughs> yes 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 <laughs> this may or may not start what? a theme where we watch scanners two three and scanner cop two <laughs> yes that's what i'm waiting to get to <laughs> over the next three months <laughs> did i not like when you asked me okay we got to get back into this what should we watch and you offered me scanners two or the pit i picked the pit <laughs> Do you regret that decision? No, absolutely not. <laughs> but now, Scanner's two time. <laughs> yes, I think I think you're right. I think we'll feel refreshed. And hey, it's a David Hewlett movie, so it's bound to be good. I know, I'm so excited. That's the best selling point. Right. <laughs> Our biggest Canadian crush. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we, we will be moving on from uh, Teddy Bears to Head Explosions uh, uh, next month. But uh, uh, yeah, that that's it for, for all of us here at Part of Earth Heritage. Uh, I'm Adam Clark. And I am Sarah Chamberlain. And... Listeners, you may be pretty on the outside, but you wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you were pretty on the inside. (laughs) Good night.